so if I were to ask you all, what is Shrove Tuesday, which was yesterday, by the way? Uh, what is Ash Wednesday? What is Lent? Uh, I imagine that I'd get a variety of different answers. I think it's fair to say uh, that there's a certain amount of confusion um, surrounding this period of the Christian calendar. Uh, we know what Christmas is about, the birth of Jesus. We know what Easter is about, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, but I think there's a certain amount of uh, enigma around Lent. So this evening I want to talk about what Lent was originally meant to be, uh, what it's become, and I want us to think about uh, how we as a church can make the most of Lent. How can we do Lent well? Uh, so originally Shrove Tuesday, uh, the day before Lent begins, was a day of self-examination, a day to take a long, hard look at ourselves in the mirror, not in a physical sense, uh, but to take a look at what's going on in our hearts. It's a day to identify the stuff in our lives that is inconsistent with our profession of faith. In other words, what things in our lives need to change in order for us to follow Jesus more faithfully. Then we come to Ash Wednesday today. It's a day of penitence. So having uh, identified the sin in our lives through a process of self-examination, we express that we're sorry. We express a desire to turn away from our sin, to live differently. Now in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, sackcloth and ashes are often mentioned in connection with mourning and or repentance. So if someone tore their clothes and put on sackcloth and put ash on their heads, it was a sign of grief and mourning. could be mourning the death of someone, or grieving and lamenting the sin that had been committed against God, either by that person or by the whole nation, or both. And that's how the ash will be used today, as an expression of grief for our sins. But the ash will be made in the sign of a cross, which reminds us that Jesus has made forgiveness possible. And I will say the words, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. And this is a stark reminder that we're mortal. Uh, we will die. But through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, we're forgiven. And so we will be raised to new and everlasting life with him. The psalm that we read, Psalm 51, is all about acknowledging sin and wanting to do something about it. And I would encourage uh, all of us to keep returning to that psalm during Lent uh, because it encapsulates what Lent is all about. Uh, Lent is a time to be sorry for our sins. Uh, not that we can't be sorry for our sins at other times of the year, but this is a time when we, uh, we focus on this. But it's not just about being sorry. It's consciously and intentionally turning away from our sin. Engaging in spiritual disciplines, prayer, generous hospitality, giving, and so on, in order that we might grow in love for Christ and for one another. During Lent, we remember why it is that Jesus had to die for us. And we are realigning ourselves with his purposes as we prepare to celebrate his resurrection at Easter. So that's a quick summary 
of what Lent is all about. Now, I know we come from a variety of different church backgrounds and denominations, and, and not all churches observe Lent. So it's worth noting that there's good evidence uh, that Lent has been observed by Christians since apostolic times. In other words, uh, those people who walked and talked with Jesus more than likely observe Lent. So we're in good company. Uh, but the way that Lent is observed by many Christians today is very different to the way that it was observed by the early church. So for many Christians today, uh, Lent is about giving up chocolate or coffee or uh, TV or whatever it is. And, and some people uh, give up stuff and they don't really know why they're giving it up. Uh, other people have more of an idea and they, they say, well, I'm giving up chocolate because every time I feel like eating chocolate, I'm going to pray instead of eating the chocolate. Uh, and I'm not knocking that. If giving up chocolate for six weeks means that you pray more during that time, then that is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but equally, it's not life-changing. And Lent, if it's kept well, can be life-changing. Remember that on Shrove Tuesday and Ash Wednesday, we identify the stuff that's wrong in our lives, our sin. And we resolve to turn away from it, not just for six weeks, but for good. We turn away from sin, we turn towards Jesus. We turn away from darkness, we turn towards the light. Of course, we all know that indulging in too much chocolate is not the most heinous thing. It's not the worst thing in our life. Uh, reducing the amount of chocolate that we consume over a six-week period in the overall scheme of things is not really going to help us to deal with the things in our lives that need to be dealt with. But if we ask God to help us see the things in our lives that he wants to change, then we will discover that there are some very serious issues to be addressed. And that is true of all of us. Christians have uh, always fasted during Lent, abstained from certain types of food, so um, things like meat and fish, eggs, lard, fat. Um, but what Christians used to do was the money that they would have spent on what were considered more luxury items of food, the money they would have spent on that food, uh, they would take and they would give it to the poor instead. You know, you can only become more generous by practicing generosity. You can only become more loving by practicing love. Uh, of course, there's a connection between prayer and fasting. We're not going to look at that now. But what I really wanted to see is that Lent is a time to focus on certain spiritual disciplines, in, in this case, generosity, in order to break the hold of sin on our lives. Lent is, if you like, a spiritual boot camp. Uh, as you know, Lent lasts for 40 days, and it reminds us of the 40 days that Jesus spent in the desert uh, fasting and praying and being tempted and tested before he began his earthly ministry. That, if you like, was Jesus's boot camp, if I can use that language. So just out of interest, I googled 40-day challenge, and what do you suppose I brought up? Chocolate. No. Uh, <laughs> Close. I, I, I brought up dozens and dozens of fitness programs, uh, all promising to completely transform your body in 40 days. And uh, invariably, uh, there were the before photos 
of people looking a little bit flabby and pale and miserable. And then there were the after photos of the same group of people looking lean and muscular with a spray-on tan and a spurious grin. Uh, these kinds of programs are incredibly popular and usually quite expensive. As a society, it seems that we're often quite keen to transform our bodies, but we don't seem to show the same enthusiasm for transforming our characters. And certainly the idea of allowing God to transform our characters by the power of his Holy Spirit is not a popular one. I'm not saying that physical fitness isn't important. It is. But I'm saying I think that as a society we get our priorities wrong. As it says in 1 Timothy 4 verse 8, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So Lent is like a a spiritual boot camp, but as with any boot camp or fitness program, the idea is to maintain that level of fitness even after the program has ended. There's no point in someone undergoing an intensive fitness program if at the end of it they return to the same unhealthy lifestyle that they were living before. Uh, And it's the same with Lent. Why would anyone introduce spiritual disciplines fight against the sin in their life and draw closer to Jesus if at the end of six weeks they intend to drop the disciplines, resume the sin, and distance themselves from Jesus. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, The thing with a boot camp, the thing with Lent, is it gives us a push in the right direction. And when we're moving in that direction, hopefully it becomes easier to continue moving in that direction. So what can we do this Lent to start breaking the hold of sin on our lives? Well, uh, firstly, it's got to start with prayer, uh, because we have to do this in God's strength. If we're trying to do things in our own strength, uh, we will fail. It's as simple as that. But instead of thinking about what we're going to give up, why not think about what we're going to take up? What are the good habits that we can adopt during Lent? Habits that will transform our characters and enable us to leave the bad stuff behind. And when I say bad stuff, I'm not talking about chocolate and coffee. I'm talking about greed, selfishness, anger, pride, materialism, gossip, whatever it might be. Lent is absolutely a time to be disciplined. But why be disciplined enough to give up chocolate if we're not disciplined enough to pray? Why discipline ourselves to give up red meat if we don't discipline ourselves to read the Bible? Why give up TV if we don't practice hospitality? Why forgo coffee if we're going to continue to be stingy? I'm not knocking abstaining from anything if it genuinely helps us to draw nearer to Jesus. But what we're aiming for is transformation, not abstinence for the sake of abstinence. I want to finish with four simple suggestions that, uh, that will help us to live a more Christ-centered life, not just during Lent, uh, but on into the future. So the first thing is that the parish council have designated March as giving month, uh, and that is deliberately to coincide with Lent. And so we want to encourage anyone who sees St. Andrew's as their church home uh, to set up a regular 
bank transfer. That's by far the most effective and consistent way to give, and um, it enables us to plan uh, what we're doing and where we're going as a church. Wouldn't it be amazing if at the end of Lent, the whole parish was giving regularly in that way? Now, I'm not even specifying amount, just, just regular, committed giving. Uh, it may be that you're already doing that, and uh, if you are, perhaps Lent is a time to just reassess and, and, and ask ourselves, well, is, is my giving uh, sacrificial? Is it joyfully given? Uh, you know, it's, it's the amount that I'm giving the right amount. It may well be, but it's a, certainly a time to, um, to think about that prayerfully. The second thing is setting aside a bit of time each day to pray and read the Bible. And this could even be, uh, you know, it could be just seven minutes. That would be infinitely better than nothing. I mean, coming to church on a Sunday is fantastic. Uh, we, we're built up, we're encouraged, we're sent out. But that is not enough to sustain us for the whole week. We need to be fed every day. And we need to take responsibility for, for feeding ourselves every day on the Word of God and praying, spending that time to be with Jesus. Uh, that would be a really good habit to take up this Lent. The third thing. Uh, the diocesan theme for this year is generous hospitality, and uh, we want to set a challenge. Uh, what if everyone in the church wanted to share a meal with someone from the church or outside of the church during Lent? Share a meal with someone that we don't know so well. And when we come together for fellowship over a meal, let's pray together. Now, no, not everyone is comfortable praying out loud with other people, but we've got to start somewhere. So maybe, maybe just start by praying the Lord's Prayer together. Everyone could manage that. Meet together for a meal with someone we don't know particularly well. Extend that hospitality and pray, even if it's just a case of praying the Lord's Prayer together. Let's practice generous hospitality this Lent. And finally, uh, we currently have two groups that are meeting in people's homes. And uh, over the period of Lent, we'll be studying the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is what we'll be looking at in church as well, so it all ties together. Um, Mark and Rosemary's Hub, they met last night. They, they've started this study, but it's not too late uh, to join them if you would like to. And uh, myself and Tissa host a hub on a Thursday, so tomorrow, and we'll be beginning this study tomorrow. If you would like to join us, you are more than welcome to do so. So please just let me know afterwards or let Mark and uh, Rosemary know, and then you can join in with that study, even if it's just for the, for the six weeks of Lent. Let's make a point of meeting together with other Christians to be built up and encouraged uh, this season. So what have we got there? Well, in essence, we give regularly and generously, set aside some time each day for uh, reading the Bible and prayer, uh, sharing meals together, and building one another up in small groups. So give, pray, host, and grow. If you've not seen uh, the newsletter, uh, the March newsletter has those titles in it and includes what I've just been talking about. Give, pray, host, grow. Let's try and do those things this Lent. Give up chocolate if you want to. But if we're going to be disciplined, why not be disciplined in ways that are life-changing, life-transforming, the ways that will change our life together as a church? This Lent, may we recognize 
our spiritual bankruptcy before God and our desperate need of a saviour. Let us resolve to lead a more Christ-centred life and take positive steps in that direction. Jesus died to abolish sin and death. May our lives increasingly reflect the reality of this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, as we begin this time of Lent, we remember your time of fasting in the desert, of being tempted and tested, a time of preparation. And Father, we pray that we will use this time of Lent as a time of preparation for the rest of our lives, our Christian lives. Help us to form habits that will stand us in good stead for the future. Help us to form habits that will increase our love for you and for one another and will increase our cohesion as a church. Father, may our lives give you glory uh, during this season of Lent and beyond. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.